This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Uh, there we go. I'm on, on the air. Um, welcome again to just our, just this series that we've been on uh, in the book of 1 and 2 Samuel, those two, two books, uh, looking at the life of David. I, uh, I hope that you've been enjoying the time in your life group. If you're not in a light group, friends, you are missing out. Some of you would say, I'm in a light group, but meaning that you're on the WhatsApp group. That's not mean, that doesn't mean you're in a light group. You need to actually be in a place where you're not just sitting in a row, but you're sitting in a circle where we are able to share our lives with others, uh, just what God is saying and what God is doing. And we've been making uh, some special you know, resources available for you uh, on our City on Your app, as well as just doing our light groups where we can really pray for one another and share with one another. And so today we are continuing the series. I can't believe it's already been four weeks. This is our fourth week in the life of David. Uh, next week we're going to be looking at uh, David and Abigail. Uh, Ainsley is going to be sharing with us on Mother's Day. Uh, it's going to be special uh, time together. I'm also going to be sharing with us on Ascension Day, the 18th of May. So Thursday evening at 6.30 we're going to have Ascension Day celebration. I really want to encourage you. We're going to be looking at Jesus and David and how just the parallels and the realities of David ascending to his throne and Jesus ascending to his throne is going to be really significant. And lastly, we are going to close the series uh, on a high note, but it was a low note for, uh, for David, which was David and Bathsheba and looking at the reality of sin and how God deals with us in that way. Today we are speaking about the unfailing love of God which is expressed in this story that we see with David um, meeting this you know, young man called Mephibosheth. Many people might struggle to uh, pronounce his name, Mephibosheth is his name. And it's found in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's important for you and I to see, we're back here again, um, just the significance of this event. And I don't know where you're at. I, when I say the word love, you know, um, some of us have this sort of question, you know, some, even some, some singers, what is love, baby, don't hurt me, you know, it's like those sorts of things, like we ask this question, what is love, you know, and, and Tina Turner asks, you know, what's love got to do with it, uh, there's so many different things when, it, when we speak about love that can come up, and I'm trusting that as we share, and as I share with us, just this moment in, in the life of David, and this encounter that Mephibosheth has with him that you and I would really see the deep, true, unfailing nature of God's love together. And so we're going to be reading together, and I, I want to ask you to do something that I don't ask regularly, but can we stand together as I read the Scriptures together for us? This is a sign of saying, Lord, I honor your word, Lord. I honor your word in my life. I want your word to be fruitful in my life and my heart to be fruitful ground as we read together, I'm going to read, it's going to be on the screen as well, but I'll read together. And David said, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there still, not still, someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness or show the kindness of God 
to him. Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Meshur, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Then King David sent, to, sent and brought him from the house of Meshur, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What? Is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Some of us might be feeling like that today. And I'm trusting that you, as we encounter God's love, we would see ourselves differently. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him. And shall bring it uh, in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. You may be seated. Friends, what a powerful encounter. Can you imagine being someone that is outcast, forgotten, and receiving word that the king wants to see you. Now, a little bit of context around this particular passage is that we see how David had, in a few chapters before, have actually been going systematically, um, subduing all of his enemies. He basically had to conquer everybody. And most kings of the time would have been making sure that there would be no threat left over for his dominion and reign. And so most kings of the time would have looked for whoever was the predecessor, the, po- the, the deposed king, how they could wipe the memory of them, all lineage, anybody that would ever rise up and say, listen, I have the right to the throne. They would intentionally seek out ways to eradicate them. But this is not what happens with David. David steps in and he says, I'm looking for someone that I can show kindness to. I love what he says. He he doesn't say that I can show my kindness to. He says, I want to show him the kindness of the Lord, the kindness of God. You see, friends, in this story, you and I need to see Christ in the story. We can see ourselves, but we can also see God's depth of his love. I love what... um, Eugene Peterson in his book, Leap Over a Wall, which, which has been the, 
the uh, place that, you know, we've gotten a lot of our inspiration for this series. He says, David didn't love Mephibosheth because of any merit that he possessed. He didn't love him because he was handsome, intelligent, or successful. He loved him because he was Jonathan's son. Now, I've got some children, and, um, and I have also have had the um, you know, privilege of, of, of not just, I've got two children, but I've, we've had two miscarriages over our marriage as well. And I remember every single time we were pregnant, um, there was something in me that loved that child, even though I had never seen them, held them in my hands, never knew their names even. There was a love, an unconditional love that flooded my heart. Many of us as parents and grandparents can attest that. You, you just love those children so much more than you do anybody else. So I'm sorry, I love your children, but I love my children in a very special way. But why do we love those children in such a way? Why do we love our children and our grandchildren so much? Because there's a little piece of us in there. There's a part of us that's living forth, that's, that's being continued. And some of us, perhaps, you're struggling to experience God's love, but why does God love you and I so unconditionally? Why does He show us unfailing love? Why will He go through every trial, every circumstance, any barrier He would remove in order to show us His love? Why? Because we have something of God inside of us. There's something of you and I that reveals God's love. And so the first thing you and I want, I want us to experience is the depth of God's love for us. When we're speaking about love, it's not some romantic thing. It's not something that, oh, I feel goosebumps, and then it's over, and I've got to find myself in another place where I can experience it again. No, it's something that's so deep and so real. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Friends, Mephibosheth could come into King David's presence and could receive this gift of kindness and grace, not based on anything he had done, but it was because of the covenant that David made to his father, Jonathan. It's a covenant love. You and I can come into God's presence feast at his table, experience his love and grace, not because of anything we've done, but because of the covenant that God made with his son, Jesus. You and I can experience that and express that. Romans chapter um, 5, verse 8, I want you to see the depth of God's love, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus was willing to pay the price for you and I. I want you to experience that, to know that. To not, I don't want you to walk away. And many of us can go, oh, yeah, I know Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But is it really a reality? This morning we were singing about this, this, this great king, Jesus high and lifted up, throne um, worthy of our praise. But we can only really experience and encounter that if, if we really understand the price that he paid for us. His love is so lavished upon us. But friends, our, his love for us does not just stop with us. It's actually for multiple generations, as we've been hearing. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 says, And if you are Christ's, 
then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Mephibosheth comes in, and he had been cut off from all of his inheritance. Cut off from any possibility of experiencing the blessing of his father. But in a moment, in an instant, he is restored. In the same way, friends, God's love for you and I, when we come into his presence, crippled as we are, rejected as we are, we receive the inheritance that God promised in generations past. And our entire identity changes. What we have access to changes. And you and I, I, I want you to see the depths of this, friends. Mephibosheth found himself in a place called Lodabar. What was that place? It was a barren place. It was a place of no pasture, i.e. there's nothing that grows there and nothing lives there. But the people that found themselves in this place were the ones that were rejected, that had some ailment, some disease, some disability. And they were, in a sense, outcasts. They were set aside as a special place for, for them to live. Never to be able to really integrate back into society because of their circumstances. But do you see how God calls Mephibosheth out of this place of rejection, out of this place of no fruitfulness, barrenness, and says to him, I want you to come and feast at my table. Not only do I want you to feast at my table, but I'm actually going to restore to you fruitful land. It says, he says to Ziba, he says to him, all of the produce of the land of Saul must now go to your master, Mephibosheth. God restores us in his great love. He takes us from rejection and makes us accepted. I don't, I don't know where you are finding yourself today. I don't know what you are struggling with. Maybe what disqualifications you put on yourself. Can I say to you, come into the king's courts. Don't live in, in, in Lodabar anymore. Step into the promise, inheritance that is available to you right now. Receive God's love and forgiveness. And that's the second thing I want to speak to us about is the power of forgiveness. Friends, because we can't truly experience love if we haven't truly come to understand forgiveness. I've seen this in my life. I struggle to love when I have something that, that I hold against someone. I also struggle to love when I feel like someone has something against me. And I've just not measured up. And so you and I need to experience forgiveness, but we also need to be able to extend forgiveness. And as I was preparing, I was just thinking about what are some of these things that would keep us from receiving forgiveness from the Lord or even from others. One of those things may be a, a, a sense of self, low self-worth or low self-esteem. Some of you are struggling with that right now. You just don't feel worthy. You just don't feel like you can measure up. But today I want you to see God's acceptance to you. He is the one that lifts us up. He doesn't require of us to lift ourselves up. He is the one that lifts us up and says, come and sit at the table a second way perhaps we struggle to receive is, is, a, is a fear of vulnerability. This is a huge thing, friends. So many of us live our lives closed off. 
just keeping things inside. I, I never share with anybody what I'm going through. Because if they knew, if they knew what I'm struggling, yo, they'll, they won't love me the same way. They won't accept me. They, they'll get frustrated with me. Recently, I was sitting with a young man who was struggling in a particular area of his life. And, 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 and at one point, he, he said to me, listen, Gareth, I, I think I should just stop coming to you because I just keep struggling in this area and I'm just not getting victory. It might as well, I might as well only come back to you and tell you, okay, I've, I've, I've won. Instead of coming to you over and over and over and over and over and over again, it's, oops, sorry, I, 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 I messed up, you know, I messed up, I messed up. And I said to him, no, my friend, for as long as you're willing to come, I'm willing to listen. For as long as you're willing to share and be vulnerable and open with your life, I'm willing to receive and to hear and to pray with you and to contend with you for victory in this area of your life. Friends, you and I will experience and, and receive God's forgiveness and we'll be able to extend it in more, you know, increasing measure when we are able to be more vulnerable with those around us and what we're struggling for, with. The third way, perhaps, is, is trust issues, you know. As that person has disappointed me before, I, I don't know if I could really forgive them. I mean, if you think of David, he had every reason to, to not trust you know, what's the possibility? Maybe, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he thought this, but, you know, he was maybe looked at Mephibosheth and said, well, he's lame in both his feet, so he's not too much of a threat. I could, I could let him in, you know. Some, some of us would say, oh, you know, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer, you know. He could have said, okay, well, that's why I'm bringing him into, into my, my courtroom, because I, I don't trust him. No, 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 friends, when you read this narrative, you don't see distrust in the heart of David. In the same way, friends, you and I need to learn to trust God with our lives, with our relationships, with the things we're struggling with, and accept Him. And, and most of the time, the reason why I struggle to receive God's forgiveness is because I struggle to trust Him that He would fully forgive me. And perhaps that's what you're struggling with today. I want to encourage you to embrace that, to receive God's forgiveness Another way, perhaps, is that you, you're still holding on to past hurts and trauma. You haven't taken the time to really deal with the deeper issues of your heart. I remember struggling with uh, just some relationships and some things that just hurt me. And I, I remember sitting time and time again, praying and saying, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my unforgiveness towards these people. And these situations. And I felt like I would never be able to get over it. But as I brought those things time and time to Jesus, laying it at his feet, saying, Lord, I need you to empower me. I'm not going to be a product of my circumstances. I'm not going to be hold on to those things that happened to me. That's not going to shape my future. The more I did that, Lord Jesus, you, you began to break off those things. And I was able to forgive and I'm able to live free. A big one as well, friends, is, is, is a sense of pride and self-sufficiency. I'll take care of it. Many times in our, in our struggle to receive, it's like, well, I'll fix it myself. And, and I think, friends, that's not a helpful space. You know what's, what's the, the middle letter in the word of pride? I. And Jesus doesn't want us to live self-centered lives. He wants us to receive his life as we lay down our lives 
for him. Maybe you're struggling with guilt and shame, as I shared with some of us. You struggle to experience God's forgiveness because you feel like you just can't get over these things. God wants to set you free in Jesus' name from your guilt and shame. And lastly, friends, this is a very important one. Why we struggle to receive is that there are some spiritual barriers sometimes. There's some things that you and I need to repent of. There's some things we need to say, I'm not here to any fairness, as he said. We're drawing the line. We're saying we will never, ever do this anymore. I'm not going to. I know this is what's my, my heritage, my, what, what I used to do, what my family used to do. I'm not walking in those ways anymore. I'm taking a stand. And it, in Ephesians it says, when you have done everything to stand, stand firm. We don't try and fight the battle in our own strength, but we learn to stand in the finished work of Christ. And we, as we, have, we saw before, uh, in our first series around a God-sized imagination is the way that what we fill our minds with determines a lot of the fruit that we see in the world, the way that we express our faith. So those are some barriers perhaps that we and I experience to receive it, but sometimes we need to be able to give it. And that's sometimes, I, I can, it's sometimes easy for me, oh Lord Jesus, thank you Lord Jesus for forgiving me. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm off the hook. I've been set free. I've, I've just, I just want to cast my burden onto Jesus because he loves me and he cares for me. But no, ooh, Lord, you're asking me to forgive? Why did Jesus say in the Our Father, why is that in part of the prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If we want to walk in and experience the unfailing love of God, we've got to be able to extend forgiveness. And some of the ways that we struggle perhaps is, again, this thing of pride. Pride says, I will be able to take revenge. I will be able to make them pay. If I pray for God to withhold his blessings from that person, then they'll come around. Sure. Friends, that's not loving. That doesn't help us to receive God's love, and it certainly doesn't help us to give it either. The second way, perhaps, is hurt and bitterness. I've certainly experienced that. I've got every right to hold this against you. Every right. But when I look up at the throne of Jesus and I see the forgiveness that I've received, I can't but extend that to others. God wants us to be a wild spring of life, not death, friends, in our lives. Some of us hold on to unforgiveness because of fear. Because we somehow feel like somehow God isn't able to, to deal with the person as much as we would want him to, or we feel is justified. I remember years ago, some people owed me money. Yeah, and I was upset. And I was angry. And I let them know how angry and upset I was. And how frustrated. And nothing happened. They didn't respond. They didn't pay me back. And I was so afraid because I needed the money. I needed the money. And I was desperate for it. And that's why I was putting pressure on them. But they weren't responding. And then one day, the Lord, as I was praying, the Lord asked me this question. Would you like them to owe you the money? Or would you like them to owe me the money? 
And all of a sudden, I was just set free because I realized, who's my source? Who provides for me? It's not these people. It's not my job. It's God. Everything I have comes from God. And when I'm able to trust in Him, then He'll, he'll make it work out. And you know what? I don't know. This might not happen for you. So it's not a formula. This God's not a cosmic genie. Rub Him the right way and He gives you, you know, this is how gonna, I'm going to unlock some money for myself. But what I felt God say to me is, give it over to, to Him. And in that week, I received money that I wasn't expecting. The same exact amount from another source. Plus, one of the two people that, that owed me money actually paid me back without me putting pressure on them anymore. And that just taught me, friends, if you and I would not live in fear, but we would trust God, it's so much easier then for us to forgive because the minute I realized, Lord, I'm going to hand them over to you. When I bumped into them, you know, in the shopping mall, it wasn't like, oops, other owl, you know, like we sometimes do. <laughs> but I could see, hey, how are you doing? Pray God's blessing, favor, and goodness over them. The last way that we sometimes, why we don't extend um, forgiveness is actually selfishness. Bruce McAlpine asked this question, you know, what's the opposite of love? Most of us will say hate. But if you look at the Bible, it says that God is love. But we also see that there are some things that God hates in the scriptures. God hates sin because hate, uh, sin brings death. That's why he hates it. That's why the wrath of God, his anger and indignation needed to be poured out upon Jesus to make atonement for us. But the opposite of love is not hate. It is selfishness. And we can say when we look at the scriptures that there is not one aspect of God that is selfish. God is always giving, always forgiving, always serving, always looking out for our best interests, even though sometimes we don't see it. And in the same way, friends, if we're followers of Jesus, God doesn't want us to live selfish lives. He wants us to live lives that bring honor and glory to Him. We want to express this love to others. If we have experienced God's love, the depth of His love, and we have now been expressing forgiveness and receiving forgiveness, then there is a natural outflow of that, is that you and I are called to actually love others, to express, to be a vessel, a vehicle through which God's love flows. So many of us are so content to just receive what is given to us, but it's really important that we would give that. For David, he saw himself as someone who would show the kindness of God to someone who was undeserving. In the same way, I believe God wants to empower us and equip us today to be able to express that love to him. And I've got three action steps that we'll talk through. Another quote from um, Eugene Peterson, it says, love is a choice to be kind when others are being cruel. To care when others are indifferent, to forgive when others are vindictive, to serve when others are self-absorbed. That's what love is, friends. It is walking in the opposite spirit. And I know it costs us. It is expensive. 
But friends, if I look at the, the cost of God's love towards you and I, it's extravagant. It's, it's mind-blowing. And so when God requires of us to express that love, it's a small price to pay in comparison. And so there are three ways that you and I can um, express this love to others. The first one is that we can look for opportunities to show love and kindness to those in need. You know that you and I need to open our eyes to these things? In my own life, my selfish heart is so inward focused, I've got to intentionally look for opportunities to bless others in my giving, in my finances, in my time, in my calendar, in the resources I have. I have to look for opportunities to do this intentionally. It doesn't happen by itself. Jesus speaks to us in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31. It says, and Jesus answered, the most important is this. Ask this question. What should I do? What's the most important commandment for us to adhere to? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That covers everything of who you are. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. It's the great commandment for us, friends. Love God, love people. And if you and I love God, if you're spending time with Jesus and you have a close walk with him, the outflow of that is other people's lives need to be, be different. People need to experience your encouragement. Sometimes I've heard people say to me, oh, I just wish somebody would encourage me. And then the very first question I ask them, so when last have you encouraged someone? Because we receive what we give. It's just a natural outflow of who, who, how God has made these things. God also says that you and I should be intentional to love those who have disappointed us. I don't know how many of us would say that I've got enemies, like David would have, somebody that's really literally trying to kill you. But some of us, maybe you have some friends or family members, you just feel like your relationship is just not where it needs to be. Jesus speaks to us in Luke chapter 6. He says, but love your enemies and do good and lend. Uh, excuse me? Lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Friends, you and I are ambassadors of Christ. We see David being a, a picture of God's love expressed in the life of someone that was undeserving. Our lives should reflect the same I love this, what Eugene Peterson says again. He says, to love one another is to see the face of God. When people see our love for people and our willingness to lay down our lives for them, they see God. They experience that. The second way that you, can, you and I can extend or express this love for others is to extend forgiveness and reconciliation to those who have wronged us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted." forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Friends, this is something that we've got to be doing on a continual basis. And I do this often. I sit and I ask the Lord, Lord, show me if there's any person that I have something against or even has something against me. 
Because Jesus speaks to us, and he says, if you know of someone who has something against you, and you come to the gathering, and you're going to experience and enjoy the Lord's Supper, and you remember, or you've maybe brought an offering, you remember that that person has something, leave your offering, go to that person, sort it out, so that your prayers can be answered, so that you and I can experience God's, the open heaven, the provision, the inheritance that God has for us. God doesn't want any blockages to stop us from being able to experience Him. And I want to ask you, I want to implore you to make right with those people. And I know for some of you, like Gareth, but I've tried. Can I ask you to bring someone that's maybe more mature, someone that can mediate between you to help you work it through? Because that is God's best for us. And when you've done everything you can and you still cannot reconcile, then at least you've tried. And at least I've seen in my own life how God sets me free from that. The third action step you can take is to cultivate uh, an attitude or a heart of gratitude and humility. Friends, when you and I have experienced God's love, and I'm continuously reminded of it, it's so much easier for me to then express that. Because I'm grateful. I'm thankful. It's something that, that actually changes the way I steward what God's given me. The way I interact with the relationships that I have. And I experience all that God has for me. James chapter 1 verse 17 it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 2 Corinthians 9 verse um, it also says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that word all is there a lot, eh? At all times, at all sufficiency, you may abound in every good work. God doesn't want any of us to lack in the opportunities that we have to be able to encounter and encourage people, to extend forgiveness, to express His love to those around us. I believe that for us to have that sense of fruitfulness, God wants us to be intentional with our relationships. Our relationship with Him and our relationship with others. God wants us to be set free. He doesn't want us to live in Lodabar anymore. He wants us to come and sit with confidence at His table to feast upon what He provides for us every single day. And that's my encouragement for us today. Can we be a people who experience and receive the depths of God's love every single day? Can we also be a people who receive forgiveness from God and others, but we also extend it to others that may have wronged us, even if they don't deserve it? Can we also respond to God's will and God's desire to love others more effectively. We pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that there is life in you. There's power in your name, Lord. And today, Lord, I, I want to pray for our hearts, Lord. I know that you're doing a deep work. There's, there's always such a depth of what you're wanting to do uh, in our hearts when we are willing to open it. And the, as I've been speaking about love and reconciliation and forgiveness, Lord, I, I know that there are some of us today that you feel like it's a mountain that you're facing. 
can I encourage you to trust Him, to trust Jesus to help you to set those people free, to set yourself free? Can I encourage you to look to Jesus and to see His sacrifice, His love poured out for you and to be stirred and encouraged to do the same for, that, for others, not in your own strength, but in the strength that Christ provides. If you are here today and, and you know that you have been like Mephibosheth, you've been separated from the presence of the King, your life has been lived in obscurity, you've lived life for yourself even, and today you want to enter into the kingdom of God, become a child of God, begin to experience His love and grace, can I lead you in a prayer? Perhaps if, if that's you today, maybe you can pray this out loud with me and maybe the rest of us can follow just as a, as a sign of, of being together and committing our lives to Christ together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today with a humble heart, confessing that I am a sinner in need of your mercy and forgiveness. I believe that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins and that you rose on the third day conquering my sin and setting me free from death. Lord Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior today. I commit my life to you and ask that you would come into my heart and that you would transform me from the inside out. I surrender my will to yours and I ask that you would lead me in the path of righteousness. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill me with your presence. That you would guide me into all truth. That you would help me to walk in obedience to your will. And that I may bear the fruit that is pleasing to you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd remove anything in my life. That is hindering from following you fully. Help me to let go of my old ways and to embrace a new life that you give in Christ. Thank you for your grace and mercy. I am forever grateful for the gift of salvation through faith in Christ. May my life be a living testimony of your love and grace. May I bring glory to you all the days of my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's can we stand together. I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer sincerely, perhaps even for the first time, or maybe you recommitted your life to Christ, just as we're singing, I want to encourage you to come to the front and to really make this a, a, 
a, a lasting decision. So many times we make this decision in our hearts and nobody knows about it. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.